we all have a limited amount of time. I say that to my kids. I say it to my wife. I say it to everybody I know. You know, if you are waiting for something to happen, make it happen today. You know, don't worry twice about anything. You know, oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? Well, what if it doesn't? 95% of everything that we worry about never happens. And what we do is we wind up cheating ourselves of happiness today because we worry too much. We worry, we're anxious, we're stressed, and we miss those everyday miracles. Welcome to the Gary Scott Thomas Show. Here's what we know. The podcast with unexpected conversations. Listen each week as we engage in unscripted conversations where we'll be just as surprised as you will be with where the dialogue goes. So join us each week and be privy to the captivating conversations that are sure to ensue. Here's your host, Gary Scott Thomas. And thank you for joining us again on Here's What We Know, the podcast of unexpected conversations. And I'm so looking forward to you hearing what's going on today. I, I met this guy a, a number of weeks ago and was just trans, just transfixed by him. The way he views the world, the way he sees things, the way he, the way he says stuff that is so clear and yet so stupid, insightful. And we're going to connect all the dots on who and what he was. But when I found out who he was, my buddy, who we both have a, we have a shared friend. He goes, yeah, he's kind of a big deal. And I'm like, wow, who knew? <laughs> Brian Moran from Brian and Moran and Associates. How are you, my friend? I am great, Gary. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And by the way, I'm sorry that that other guy couldn't make it that you just described, but I'm taking his place. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this guy, this guy is is like up there. First of all, he has like a really big podcast. I was sitting there listening to some of your podcast stuff and just checking it out because I haven't had a chance. And it's just it's 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 for small businesses. And, 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 and as we like to call it niches and stuff, it's a niche podcast. Mm -hmm. But you make it so damn interesting. How long have you been doing that podcast? I want to say like maybe four years now, three or four years. Wow. Yeah. I've been doing mine for 18 months, three or four years. What have you learned in the process? That there are a lot of interesting people in this world who have great stories to tell. And probably like you, I am honored that I get the opportunity to hear them and to share them. Yeah, you have this, especially when it comes to the world of business, because I think it takes, I think it takes a special breed of person to be an entrepreneur. I have always been, as my wife and I like to call ourselves, we're W2 people. That's what we are. <laughs> you know, you have your Baptists, you have your Catholics, you know, you can do everything with the way you want to do it, people. You have your beach people, you have your mountain people. We've been W2 people our entire lives. It's a special breed to go out and go, hey, no safety net. Let's find out what happens, huh? So um, I, I come from a family of, of largely entrepreneurs. And uh, my mother, who's probably one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life, one time I got laid off from a company and uh, uh, because I wouldn't fire somebody. And so they said, okay, we're going to fire Brian. And I remember it happening. And um, I was shocked, you know, and I had a, a wife and three kids. I think one was on the way and a mortgage. And I called my mother and I said, what do I do? Like, this just was so stunning to me. 
And she said, well, what are you afraid of? And, uh, you know, because I actually had, you know, stock in the company and, and, you know, I was comfortable for a year. So I didn't have anything to worry about, but I was scared because this had never happened to me before. And I said, well, how about security to start? And she said, Brian, the only security you will ever need in life is between your ears. Wow. Yeah. That has stuck with me for my whole life. And I'm like, She's so right. And my father, who's also probably one of the smartest people I've ever met, you know, he quoted uh, somebody once and he said, Brian, security is an illusion. Like you think you're secure, but you're not, you know, so you you live in an, you know, insecure world and you make your way and you will rise and you will fall. But you never want to be in the same place year after year. You know, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, you, you know, you grow, you fall, you pick yourself up and you keep moving. That's what makes life exciting. How many brothers and sisters do you have? Um, uh, I'm one of seven, six See, boys and a girl. That's what I was going to try to find out because yeah. it's, it's amazing when you sit back and think about your parents, right? I mean, if you're, and you, it sounds like you're blessed with two wonderful parents and it's so yeah. insightful that, you know, think about how insecure they were with seven kids. I have two and it scares me to death. Yeah. Yeah. So my mom was the oldest of eight and my grandfather, her father was the oldest of 10. Wow. So we 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 had a family reunion at my house last year, last summer, and seventy seven of a hundred and eleven people came. <laughs> it's it was unbelievable. It was so much fun. You know, my weirdness is that my mother and two of her sisters married my father and two of his brothers. I have double first cousins. Wow. Wow. That's, that's incredible. And so when we have family reunions, it tends to be on either side, the same damn people. (laughs) I hope you like them. (laughs) Exactly right. I mean, you know, and they'll tell you, Hey, are you going to make it? Are you going to make it to the mom's side reunion? Are you going to make it to your dad's (laughs) side reunion? I'm like, well, you know, either one will be the same people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Pretty much. I mean, you're you're not going to miss much of anybody. And because I'm from a small town who you don't get, they'll come over anyway, just to see you. There you go. And you save on postage when you have to mail out stuff, right? You know, it was the craziest thing because my mother passed uh, back in 96. My father passed in 1980. They've been gone a while. But my wife, who I did not marry until 2007, she got to go home with me back in like, I think it was 2009, 2010. Mm -hmm. And she had a chance to meet my uncle and my aunt, my mother's sister and my father's brother. And I said, wow. that's as close as you will get to meeting my parents right there. Wow. That's neat. You know? That's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. It, I love that. It was, and, but I, I have, I have four sisters and a brother. So again, mm-hmm. it's that whole large family mentality where it, it, a, maybe it's just me suppositioning here, but it seems like the only thing you can give your kids is a complete understanding. You know, when you have one kid, you can kind of overboard and do everything. I'm not saying everybody does, but you can mm-hmm. overboard and do everything. When you're dealing with seven, and, 
And, and, and again, my family was from the World War II era, you know, <laughs> and, and they would let us wander off in the woods and do things that I can't think of. And as I told my sisters, you know, in their world, attrition was part of the game, right? <laughs> they expected to lose one or two. That's why you had, that's why you had six. Because yeah, one or two, could, yeah, you can factor in the loss thing. It's like yeah. it's like a restaurant. Some of the potatoes are going to go bad. It's just you just factor that in. Uh, but but it's 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 you you do just try to give them what you can because the odds are you're not going to leave them any money. Right, right, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm leaving you something so much more valuable, wisdom. Well, and what your mother said. I mean, that's, you know, I always said this to me. I was, I was, my, my mom, I was complaining. I was a kid at some point. I could have been nine or 10 years old. I'm not sure the age, but I was complaining about, I wanted to do something. My friends or my friends are doing it. And I remember looking at me and she goes, son, you don't understand what my job is. My job is to teach you how to raise my grandchildren. And I know you don't hear anything I say now, but son, trust me, years from now, you'll cling to every word. Oh, isn't that, that's a hundred percent true. You know, the thing about coming from a big family is, is you cut through the crap and you get right to the most important points. Like you don't, you don't dilly dally when you're passing down advice. Yeah. You know, my father, and I, I've said this well, my father was a train wreck, and I've tried to forgive him for some of the things he's done because he went through a life that I can never imagine. He served in World War II, and, and mm-hmm. you know, so I, I can't imagine. Uh, but he did give me lessons in how not to do things, and I found them to be mm-hmm. just as valuable. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? That's great. I, I love hearing the fact that you forgive him. Because that's something that I have learned over the years is to forgive people, even if they don't ask for forgiveness, but to forgive them because they're human and and they're imperfect, but they try. You know, and and we 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 tend to see everything through our prism because that's the way mm-hmm. humans survive. You see everything mm-hmm. through your prism, uh, but yeah. once you become a society, right? I think I think that's where empathy starts to have uh, to happen, right? I I may I may get angry at my wife and tell somebody, oh, this 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 or something like that, especially a dear friend. But I think I always throw in the caveat. But now realize you're only hearing my side. Right. Right. There are three sides, your side, their side, and the truth. The truth lies in there somewhere. And I always try to, I try to make sure that I get the caveat in that, listen, in her worldview, something like that. And I think to survive when it comes to, especially as we expand the population, you know, when it goes from, when it's just me, when you're a baby, you get to be as selfish as you want. And then when you, you add to it, you, you literally have to have empathy or there's no way society builds or thrives. I agree 100%. Which is what I always, I'm thrilled by you. And one of the things I wanted to talk about as I've gotten to know, know Brian, and it's one of the things we could talk about. There's so many business ideas and we'll talk about small business and, and, and he's, he's brilliant when it comes to that. But one of the things I wanted to hit on, one of the things that, that I, when I, I was hearing Brian talking and, and he was, we were in this business situation and he goes, the most important thing to me is my faith. And, mm-hmm. and my, yep. my first reaction was, my goodness, it's courageous to say that out loud. And my second thought was, how much of a coward am I? Because that should be something you lead with, right? And you did. Yeah. And, and yeah. I was like, you know, every now and then the good Lord just will take a finger and poke you right in the face. Yeah. 
And, and that day it just poked me right in the face that there is this very successful guy, this guy who's, who's, who's done things that most of us can only dream about. And your lead the day I met you was the most important thing to me is my faith. Cause it is, you know, I, I read a book when I was 17 years old, uh, by a guy named Victor Frankel and he was a world war two, uh, concentration camp survivor. He was a psychiatrist and he was writing a book when he was captured and the, uh, the Germans destroyed his manuscript and they wound up killing his family. And he survived by having a goal of rewriting the manuscript and he would write it on little bits and pieces of paper that he would collect in a pencil. And uh, the book's title is Man's Search for Meaning. And I probably have read it. I, I read it at least once a decade, maybe more. But I've read it five or six times since, since uh, I first read it in high school. And so he went through some absolutely horrific things in his life. He lost his entire family. He was near death a handful of times. He he literally had to make life and death decisions more times than anybody should in their entire life. But he asked the question in the book, what is the meaning of your life? And that hit me, like you said, like God poking you right between the eyes. You know, the meaning of my life is not my job and it's not you know, the labels that people put on me. It's, it's the, the quest. It's everything that I do should lead towards that. And you never actually achieve the meaning of your life, the goal. Like it, they, they say, oh, I aspire to be this person. And then one day you're, you know, 65 and you go up, oh, I hit it. You know, everything else is gravy. It's not like that. It's the type of person when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and say, this is the type of person I want to be today. And it's, you know, I, I learned that and I forgot it. And then I remembered it again and I forgot it again. And that's why I continue to read the book over and over again, because the meaning of your life can change over time, especially when you get married and you start to have kids and you, and all of a sudden life takes on a new meaning. But as long as you have that, it's almost like it keeps you grounded and focused. And you say, I'm so much more than this. And, and, you know, I think when you and I first met, I talked about the lens of gratitude, uh-huh. like like seeing seeing being grateful for everything. When you are grateful for everything in your life, from the clothes you wear to your physical faculties and mental faculties and just every single day, the food you eat, the family that you have, even the obstacles that are in front of you and the fact that you have the ability to get around them. When you're grateful for all of that, man, everything just looks beautiful. It's amazing how you have to work on that every day. That's what I found. You'd think it would be easy to wake up every day and go, well, am I thankful? But it's not. It's so easy to get encumbered by everything else that's circling in your head. I have to conscientiously make myself stop. And I usually do it either in the morning or or, or honestly, right as I turn off the light in bed. I honestly try to have that conversation where I literally go and go, I am so thankful. I am so thankful for everything that has happened in my life. I'm so thankful for everything that I get to be a part of in my life. But but it, it seems like it would be like breathing. 
right? I mean, I mean, all of us should be able to go, wow, am I glad that I have my help? Am I glad that my child did not suffer anything traumatic today? But it's just so easy to take the day-to-day for granted until yeah. finally until finally something happens that usually it's some sort of tragedy or horrific news that mm-hmm. makes you go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 I'm grateful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it's um, it's a you practice it like anything else, you know, it's it's like, you know, you shower every day, you brush your teeth every day, you give, you know, gra- you, you're, you're, grat- you're grateful every day and you practice your gratitude and you just say, remind yourself uh, today, I am thankful for this. And maybe you do it in the morning, you do it in the afternoon, you do it at night. I, I I ran a marathon. I ran three marathons in my life, and and on the back, and it was two years after my oldest brother passed away. So it was 2007, and on the back of my shirt, I wrote, "God, thank you for giving me today." And I, I ran the New York City Marathon. I cannot tell you how many people. As, as they passed me by, because I was not running very fast. But as they passed me by, they tapped me on the shoulder. Love the shirt. Love the quote. Thank you. Thank you for that. You know, and it's like just sharing that message. And there's a there's an interesting story, and I have this picture. I was at mile 18, and I'm crossing over uh, the Willis Avenue Bridge going into the Bronx. And I'm running, <clears throat> and I am in pain. Now, I am not. Uh, a small person. So I'm a little over six feet. I was about 250 pounds running this marathon and my legs are killing me and my right knee hurts. And I feel like the wheels are coming off and I still have about eight miles to run. And this is part of something I'm, I'm writing and eventually one day I'll publish it. It's called my five conversations with God. And I just said, God, I have no idea how I'm going to finish this race. I have eight more miles to run. Everything hurts in my body. Please help me. I, 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 I hate asking you for help, but if there's anything you can do, I would appreciate that. Gary, less than 30 seconds later, I get a tap on my shoulder, and it's this guy in an orange hat. And uh, he said, hey, I love that um, quote on the back of your shirt. He said, we could have used you this morning at our um, at our uh, gathering, at our, our spiritual gathering before the race started. And I said, oh, that sounds really nice. I said, well, who are you? And he said, I'm the chaplain for the New York City Marathon. And I, I, I'm not 100% sure of this, but I'm pretty sure. And I said, you're the chaplain for this race? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, how many are there of you? And he said, I believe there's only one, me. Now, there are 40,000-plus runners in this race. 30 seconds after I sent that prayer up, I got that tap on the shoulder. And somebody from the race took a picture of him and I running together. And I actually have that. I'm staring at it right now in my office. And you know what? The, The universe will give you what you need. Right. You, you can't be a glutton for and ask for stuff every single day. But and, and sometimes the answer is not always yes, but it will surprise you if you live a good life and you're grateful and you help out other people. 
every now and then the universe will surprise you. Amen. I, I, I love that story. And, and you're right. I mean, it's been amazing. It seems like it seems like people come into my life just when I need them, right when I need them the most. Right. And it's like I, I was explaining this to my son. It's like the good Lord grabbed me by the shoulders and go, I need you to look over here. I'm not going to shove you. I'm not going to hit you in the back of the head. I'm going to take you by your shoulders and turn you this way and ask you to look right there. And you're like, how many people don't? How many people, even though he turned you or she turned you in the right direction and pointed, how many people still miss the miracles of everyday life? I think the vast majority. I have literally, I have literally built a career on noticing stuff that nobody else does. And I think, I think anybody in the entertainment industry, I mean, and you, you do that. You do it writing this, these books. You do it uh, in your speaking engagements. I mean, if you think about how much of our communication skills, are based on noticing comedians. Comedians sit back and look at stuff that nobody else considers because we all put blinders on and, and everything gets to be so personal. Everything gets to be so, well, I'm only thinking of, of this or myself. And, and what we do is just pay attention. I say that to my sons all the time. I think that's my number one rule of advice to them. Just pay attention. If you could pay attention a little bit, you're now ahead of 60% of the, of, of, of the game. You know, that, that's, that's where that's going. 60% of yeah. the game is where you're ahead of, but you have to look up again, yeah. outside yeah. of your phone, outside of your comfort zone and, and look up and see where else things are going. And I would think when you, cause as, as we were talking about fate, when did you decide? Or did it ever be decided? When did you find out you were courageous when it came to your faith? Because the majority of us aren't. We just let it sit there. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like a birthmark under your shirt. You have it, but you're not about to take your shirt off to show it to people. But how great is it when you realize you have it? It's like a special power. It's like a special record and, and it reveals itself. Everybody does have it, like you said. But it reveals itself during the the most difficult times in your life, right? And um, you know, I I I would say so. I I can tell you a couple of times mm-hmm. when uh, I had my own company, my own publishing company, and it was pretty successful for like six or seven years. We printed money; it was great. And then the Great Recession hit. And I gave it all back and then some in about 18 months because I was just starting to really invest into my company and grow it. And boom, it like I just pushed it right off a cliff to the point where I had to declare bankruptcy, Chapter 7 bankruptcy in 2010. And um, and I thought to myself, okay, like just limp back into corporate America and get a job. And that wasn't there there wasn't courage there i mean it was hard that's man there's nothing like when you get kicked to the ground and you didn't see it coming i i call that getting hit in the back of your head with a two by four never saw it coming get knocked to your ground and it's humbling it's humiliating and man you're like how did i get into this spot but you pick yourself up and and hopefully there are people around you who say you got this 
And there were, there were people, my family, especially, and my wife, God bless her. Um, but there are people who say to you, you got this, you get up, life is not over. This is not how your script ends, right? So I went back out after I, I did a two-year stint in corporate America, and I went back out and I started my own company. And there wasn't a single person who said to me, hey, Brian, this is a great idea. You know, leave corporate America, start your own company in 2012. But I did it because of the faith that I had in myself. Two years later, um, I'm running my own company. Things are going very, very well. My oldest son has a mental break in college. Didn't see that coming. That was another two by four. And when I tell you, it's like, man, I didn't know that the basement of life had a trap door (laughs) that you could just fall through. And that was something that, you know, and again, it's the unexpected things in life. And anybody who's had to deal with mental illness in a family, um, boy, there is just there is there is no education or preparation for it. It just happens one day. I mean, at least in our instance, that's that's how it we were exposed to it. Now, for other people, you see it over time, and you know you can start to make adjustments. But I remember writing in my journal uh, two months after he came home, and he he was, you know, it, it was bad. And I just said, I'm not saying anything to anybody until we get past this and here we are eight years later and we're not past it. We are in a so much of a better place and he's been so courageous with it. We've actually done a couple of podcasts about it. Um, But for four years, it was absolutely a living hell. And that is where I developed my lens of gratitude because for four years, I sat on the other side of the table with him, and I basically was saying, like, suck it up. Come on. You can do this. You know? And not having any idea the demons he was battling inside his head. And then one day, I sat on the same side of the table as him, and I looked at life through his lens. Wow. And it was... <laughs> I remember the day. I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was like my whole world was cracked open and it was gratitude just came pouring out because he was still alive because, excuse me, um, because he was the strongest, most courageous person I have ever met. And I realized, he was battling all of this on his own. Mm. Like we couldn't see it. Yeah. Even his parents could not see the, the vo- literally the voices in his head telling him to do awful things to himself. Mm. And he battled it. And, and, and finally I saw it and my wife saw it. And then our kids saw it. And we're like, we're here for you. We understand this is happening to you. You you didn't ask for this. We actually have a company now, my son and I, called IDAFT Media. It stands for I didn't ask for this. And it was, it is, it. that's the lens of gratitude that I use today, that I measure everything by. And I see people 
who have had shortcomings in life, people who fail, people who make mistakes, people who do stuff. And I, and I know, I feel like I know their backstory and I forgive them. I forgive people who don't ask for forgiveness. And I, I, I love a lot more and I hate a lot less. I forgive a lot more and I worry about less and I'm not as anxious or stressed because I'm grateful for every day. And when you're grateful for every day, you welcome whatever the universe is giving you because you know that the universe is not going to give you more than you can handle. You just have to tap into whatever resources you have inside you to deal with what's in front of you. There's a great saying by Marcus Aurelius, what stands in the way becomes the way. Mm, wow. I didn't ask for this. That's that's it. <laughs> You, it, it's so powerful, and I didn't ask for this media. I, I, I'm entranced by it, but yeah. I think if we sit back and realize, you know, that in many cases, especially because mental health is has become so important, it's important to me. I've done so many shows that regards mental health because I think there is, and I don't know why. I don't know why in the past 15 years, the statistics show that our children are battling these things. Oh, yeah so much uh and 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 we're having there's no way of not saying it horrific results you know yeah Uh, yeah and 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 it's important to remember that they did not ask for this who in the world would ask for this who would in the world would say hey yeah let me take the hardest path out there you know yeah that that it's 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 something that when you when you say you sat on his side of the table, and it is hard for any of us to put ourselves there because, as as I've talked with people who've battled it, I cannot understand what it's like to not mm. trust your brain and the perception of reality that it's giving you. We can't we can't think. You can't watch a movie and go, yeah, yeah, beautiful mind. I get it. He sees people. No, 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 no. That, they, yeah. that, that's just the way they gave it to you to understand because there's no right. way you could understand the entire complexity of this situation. So it's like trying to explain television to a caveman. It's a magic box. It's a magic right. box. And so we're just going to, we're just going to give you that. You know, when the good Lord said that I created the world, it's seven days. I can't t- I can't go about teaching you how to build a quasar. How about if I just tell you I built the universe in 7 days? A- and I think the same thing when it comes to that. It is so beyond the scope. If you're able to trust your brain, you don't know what it's like to not trust it. Yeah. You know when you talked about that, uh about God and building the world, you know, Bruce Springsteen has a song called Jesus was an only son. And one of my favorite lines in that is um, he kissed his mother's hand and said, Mother, still your tears for the soul of the universe built the world and it appeared. Wow. It's it, it's 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 very hard for everybody to figure it out. And it's where where is he today? How is because you say things are so much better. How have you gotten there? You know what? We found the right doctor. 
he, he had been hospitalized 13 times. He yeah. had seen 16, 17 doctors, same number of therapists. Again, we found the right doctor who got him on the right medication and his whole life turned around. Now he is so grateful for every single day. He is, uh, I call him Buddy the Elf because <laughs> he is, he, and he calls, he calls me George Bailey. He calls me George Bailey and he's Buddy the Elf. But he is so happy. He is so grateful. And um, he tells everybody, you know, I love you. I love it. It's almost like he looks at the world through a child's mind now. He has no animosity. He has no, he's not mad about what he's gone through. He understands. I went through this for a reason. And my purpose in life is to figure out what that reason is. Wow. I think that's all of our purpose, uh, purpose in life. Right. I mean, yeah. we're all here to figure out what our role is in our lives and everyone else's lives. And but when something bad happens to you, you have to understand that that's part of the that's part of understanding your purpose in life, that there are mountains and there are valleys. And and and. and the mountaintop moments don't tap into your courage or your bravery. Eh, maybe they do when, when things get particularly hard, you know, climbing the mountaintop, getting around the obstacles. But you have something that you uh, are, are going towards. But when you're in that valley, you don't know how long it is, how deep it is, how dark it is. You know, that's that's when you tap into your courage and your bravery and you say, OK, it's not going to kill me. So if it's not going to kill, I always say this, you have two options. You either move ahead or you die. And if you die, you have nothing to worry about because you're you're dead. But if you don't die, then you have to address what's in front of you. And so why not beat it? Why not beat the crap out of it? See, I think, I, and and on those those valleys, you know, because you're reverting back to your own experience, and, and like when you going through the bankruptcy, and that people people ask me, you know, because I'll do a show, and they're like, "Do you ever f- not feel like doing it?" And I'm like, "Absolutely," but that's when I make my money. When you get up there and it's easy, yay! If you play golf, there's those magical days where you hit the ball and you don't know why, but you don't learn anything from it, you know. But the days that yeah. you suck out loud, you learn something. When the days that you don't feel like doing it, you never know who you're touching that day. That's the day that the good Lord is going to use you probably the most, right? And yeah. you don't even yeah. realize it that those yeah. are the days that are important, the days where all the jokes are happening and the interviews are great and all that stuff, you know, maybe he didn't need you much that day. But on yeah. the days that the days that are a struggle, maybe those are the days you're doing the most good. Oh, no doubt. Because those are the days that you learn and you grow and you you crack that eggshell open just a little bit more to get out of your comfort zone. You know, nothing good happens. I had a podcast once with this uh the guy who founded the TED conferences, Richard Werman. Brilliant, brilliant guy. And I learned so much from him over the years. Um he said comfort is not your friend. Like we all we all, you know, try to live in nice homes and drive nice cars and and build our little cocoon 
But that that's not your friend. That's not where you're going to learn. That's not where you're going to grow. That's not where you're going to experience life. It's almost like Novocaine. You know, it almost numbs you. So get out of that comfort zone. I love that. And it's be like comfortable Novocaine. getting out of it. That's that is the superpower. Right. If you can yeah. be comfortable, not being comfortable, you know, I think, you know, I think that's where world class athletes live. Right. That that yeah. it, it, it doesn't feel good to them to, to go, as you say, run a marathon, run a marathon in under what, two hours. Some of those people do what, two, three hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's got to yeah. be nothing fun about that whatsoever. But they have learned to enjoy and, and I, okay, that may be a misnomer as far as that word, but you know what I'm trying to say, to thrive yeah, on yeah. the pain. Well, they get into a zone where time stands still. That's how somebody described it to me one time. It gets to the point where I, I am operating outside the boundaries of time, that I am in my own universe, my own world, and things are just happening. It's almost like in that, that Matrix movie, you know, when he finally realizes he's the one and everything comes together. It happens. That's that mountaintop moment, the day when everything comes together and, boy, there's nothing you can't do wrong. Like, everything just works well. And then you wake up the next day and it doesn't. But you, if you're grateful, you learn to appreciate that moment. You go, you know what? That was really awesome. Yeah, today's going to suck, but man, was yesterday a great day. What, what piece of advice would you give parents? Because because you had it sprung on you all of a sudden. That's that's a that's a big oh my god, what do we do now? But now that you've had so much time to go down this journey. What do you tell parents? Because I can only imagine how many people reach out to you because you're so open about this and you're so willing to discuss it. What do you tell people when they go, you know, I'm starting to see things with my child that I don't think are healthy for him or her, and I don't know what to do. I don't know how to address it. I don't know where we go with it because that's it's it, it, as we've said in so many things. And, and we'll talk about this if we have time, because simply I'm just I don't know if we're going to talk about anything more important than we are right now. Uh, yeah. But but it's like where it's 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 addressing that and going. This is this is where you go. This is it, it's the first step, even in business. It, what is the first what's the first question everybody has? What do I do now? What do I do now? Yeah. Right. Well. Yeah. So for parents, you know, my kids are 21, how old is North? 22 to 28. My kids, I have four kids and it's a boy, girl, boy, girl. And so I've seen a lot, you know, I've seen a lot in the, in, in my life. And what I would tell parents of younger kids, uh, is, you know what? One, get them off their phones, get them off their phones and get them out into nature. Let them, let them experience life. And, and point out the miracles in everyday life to them. You know, as my son once said, you know, he went to a small school upstate New York and he said, you know, people used to walk across campus and they would just look down and stare at their phones. And, you know, there was this beautiful quad that they were walking across, but nobody ever looked up. And even when they weren't looking at their phones, they were looking at their shoes. You know, that's what's happening is that, you know, when you and I were kids, boy, we were outside, as you said, all day, all night, playing, laughing, joking around. Our TV stations were two, five, seven, nine, eleven, thirteen. Right? <laughs> that's it. 
So, so have, have days where, you know, you say today's a no electronics day and we're going to go for a walk and we're going to experience life. And you're going to point out the flowers that you see and the trees and you're going to learn the names of them. And you're going to, you're going to walk down the streets of your town and you're going to talk about what used to be in that location before that was there and some of the fun things you had. You're going to tell stories to your kids. And you're going to love them. And when they have problems, listen to them. You know, don't always offer advice. Sometimes kids need to go through things on their own. But be mindful of the things that they don't tell you. You know, maybe that they're experiencing on their own. My my son had some issues in high school that he didn't share with us until college. There were a couple of times I said to him, boy, I wish I knew that three years ago. I could have helped you. So, you know, for parents, you, you don't necessarily need to be your child's friend, but you do need to be like their advisor and their teacher and the people that they look up to and that they trust more than anything in life. And so give them boundaries, you know, give them boundaries. And but 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 by all means, you know, show them the arts, take them to a museum. Three of my kids love museums. My daughter I love my daughter. She hates museums. You know what she got me for Father's Day? A two-hour experience of my favorite museum museum in New York City where she walked around with me. Wow. And she said, Dad, this is painful, but I know you love it, and I would love to see you happy, so I'll do this with you. And I talked about all of the paintings that I loved. You know, I've been to this museum. It's a small museum. I probably have been there 30 times, and I just love everything about it. Um, but experience art, watch movies with them, you know, uh, introduce them to classics, you know, the books that you read when you were a kid and why you love those books. And, you know, I, I just, I think with stuff like that, you enrich their lives, but, but, and ask them the question, what do you think the meaning of your life is today? I would ask that to a 10 year old. Just to plant that seed, plant seeds that they will revisit. As you said, what your mother said to you, um, you know, this may not have an impact on you now, but when you're talking to your kids, it's going to sound like my voice, right? Mm -hmm. So plant, but plant seeds with your kids. Plant, you know, what, what, what is the meaning of your life? What do you want? What is your goal? What is your goal for this year? What do you hope to accomplish? How do you plan to get there? And, and, you know, just be there with them. And, and you know, the one thing that I love, my wife says this to me, boy, our kids like spending time with us, huh? I said, yeah, isn't that great? You know, it's, it's, uh, it's they come home and we have a great time together. And then they go out on their own and they do their own things. But they come back and we have fun and we laugh. And, and I never stop teaching them. And they never tell me to stop teaching them, which is something that I love. You, you're going to teach them one way or the other. Uh, even, even when you don't think you're teaching them, you are. They're watching you when you don't even know they're watching you. They're paying attention to things. Uh, think about, I, I've always told this, think about some of the biggest memories of your childhood. It was probably, it's rarely the trip to Disney World. It was probably some moment that your parents weren't even aware of. That yeah. to you, I can remember being outside on a cold night or you'd playing and smelling dinner. And hearing my mom sing, right, while she's cooking yeah. dinner. That yeah. right there. And my mother had no idea. 
right? That was not a big yeah. thing in her mind, you know, right. that, that it wasn't right. something that, that she was creating this memory. And we all tend to try to get into where we're trying to create this instead of just let it happen. I, I, I always tell people the beautiful thing about having children is that you become a time traveler. Because you can go back and see what your parents were going through and you can project ahead and show your kids because I do that to my kids all the time. You know, they hated taking pictures. You know, the the, my my wife likes taking the posed pictures with the photographer and stuff like that. And my kids went through that situation where they just hated it. And I set them down and I said, listen, here's the deal. You think we're taking these pictures for us. We're not. I'm not taking these pictures with me because I'm an older father, right? I have a 10 and a 12 year old. I, I, I'm not taking these pictures with me to the other side. We're taking these pictures for you and your children because your, your daughter will go, dad, look at you. You were 10 years old. How cute and beautiful. And you're going to (laughs) go, man, dad, thanks for making us take that picture. You know? Yeah. You know, and then you're going to rear back and go, oh, and then when she balks because you want to take a picture, you're going to go, remember you how much you love seeing that picture of me when I was 10? Oh, yeah. This this is for your son. This is for your son. You posted something on social media about Mm -hmm. you and your family jumping into the pool. Yeah. I got the biggest smile out of that. I love that. Like that to me is a happy family. You know, that's, that's a happy family that likes to spend time together because when you were talking right as you're doing it, everybody was smiling. <laughs> like that was a, a, just a beautiful moment. We've been doing that since they were two and four. They get, they came home from preschool one day and I said, Hey, we're going to jump in the pool. And they're like, well, and I'm, no, 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 don't get undressed. We're going to jump in with yeah. our clothes on. And they looked uh-huh. at me and they were like, you're going to jump in with your clothes on? I'm like, absolutely. And my wife looked at me and I'm like, and you are too. And it's become, it's become the biggest tradition. And we try to do that because I always tell them, this is the things that you're going to do. I, uh, I, I told them years ago, they would, when my birthday came up, kids don't care about your birthday. You know, not until they get to your daughter's age. They don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And so they would ask me, dad, what do you want for your birthday? And years ago, this again, this was, they were like two and four, three and five. I'm like, baby, I've got everything I ever need. What I really want for my birthday is to see you happy. So what we're going to do is buy you a present. Oh my God. On my birthday. Wow. And and it became the biggest thing. They'd be like, dad, your birthday's in 10 days. Dad, your birthday's (laughs) in five days. You know, and and my wife's like, way to, way to have them buy an extra present. I said, here's the thing. You're going to do this with their kids, babe. They'll yeah. do this with their kids because they'll remember how happy it made them. And they'll go, I'm going to do that. And they'll get what I was talking about. You know, they, yeah. they'll, they'll buy in and go, oh, I see what the old man was doing. Oh. Yeah. yeah. They, they, you know, that gets expensive when they get older. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we keep a limit on it now. <laughs> yeah. Dad's put a cap yeah. on it, you know, and now it's all about ordering yeah. something off of Amazon. And it's like, yeah, well, we got a cap on it now that you're you're gonna do that. Yeah. That, you, you know what's a great thing? What's I, we call them buddy days. So you give them a buddy day, and that's where you spend the entire day and night with them. 
What do you want to do for your buddy day? You want to go into New York? You want to go to a baseball game? Do you want to go wherever you want to go? And you would you'd hand out little like gift cards or you'd say, you know, for your birthday, you know, I put some, I always make cards, by the way. I would never buy a card. Uh, I make them. And uh, so inside would be a coupon for a buddy day. And I said, Cat, you just hand it to me and tell me when the day is. And those were great experiences. I I found out something this year. I uh, usually for Christmas, I write, write my wife a letter, right? Tell her how I feel about her and stuff like that. Well, my 12-year-old, because he turned 12, I decided, well, okay. Because you never know. Because he's at the age where he kind of rolls his eyes. And sure. so I wrote him a letter telling him how I feel about him and the things I love about him and the things I think he's great at and, and, and all this stuff. And I left it for him on his bed and I'm going to get a little emotional. Yeah. I love it. I'm brushing my teeth and he walks in and he's got tears in his eyes and he hugs me and he goes, it's the best thing I ever got. You and I are two blubbering idiots. I know. And I, and I, I sit back and I go, how in the world have I waited this long? How in the world have I not done this? How much would it have meant if my parents had done this? Yes. You know, and it's like, what the, what the hell? You know, (laughs) exactly. And, and now it's something I know. And I looked at my 10 year old because his birthday had already passed and I'm like, yours is next year. I promise you yours is next year. And I will do this as long as I take a breath. Write it now though for him. Write it today. Because I'll tell you something. Life can take many twists and turns, right? Mm -hmm. We're only guaranteed today. We can only live in the present moment. There's no past. There's no future. It's today. I would write that letter today. And you can always update it. Yeah. But write that letter today. I like that. I like that. And that's, and that's the stuff I, I force my kids to talk to me because they're at the age where they don't, how did the day go? You know, cause I pick them up from school and they're like, how did the day go? Fine. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'll just keep asking questions and make them answer. What'd you have for lunch? Who'd you talk to today? Uh, anybody make you laugh? Did you do any, did you do anything at some point where you, well, that was not my best move. Did you do that? And, and, and what I've noticed is if you just keep pulling the string, Sooner or later, they'll start talking. But it's yeah. it's it's that comfort zone you were talking about earlier. It's not yeah. comfortable when your kid's rolling your eyes at you and, you know, and you're doing all that stuff. It's just like the letter I was talking about. I never thought it would mean anything to him. And it ended up being the, 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 the biggest moment of his life up until that moment. And what you said, like, why did I wait so long? Here's the best part is that the universe, first of all, the universe doesn't give a crap about what you, what you think or what I think, <laughs> but it unfolds exactly how it was meant to be. And the thing is, you experience that at the right moment with the right amount of gratitude. Like, that's why it felt so good. You might have done that five years ago and it fell flat on its face. And so you never did it again. Mm-hmm. And so, but you know what? You did it just at the right, the perfect time, and it had the best possible outcome. And you're grateful for it. And that's 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 the thing I I I love about this conversation with you and and experiencing this because I would have had six kids if I'd have met my wife earlier. We both agree. I love them. The thing I love about kids, my mother 
interacted with each of us in the perfect way, right? Mm, and me yeah. and my sisters, my brother, were so drastically different drastically yeah. different but she knew how to interact with each one of us and with two kids i know how to interact one but the more you add to the layers like with you with four kids i've got friends who have six and seven kids it's amazing watching how they interact with each of them and they find that zone that exists just with that kid and i think yeah. that's mesmerizing it's a, it's it's life affirming you know we 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 all have a limited amount of time I say that to my kids. I say it to my wife. I say it to everybody I know. You know, if you if you are waiting for something to happen, make it happen today. You know, don't worry twice about anything. You know, oh, it, what if this happens? What if that happens? Well, what if it doesn't? Ninety five percent of everything that we worry about never happens. And what we do is we wind up cheating ourselves of happiness today because we worry too much. We worry, we're anxious, we're stressed, and we miss those everyday miracles. So you say to yourself, you know what? I'm going to write down what I'm worried about. I'm going to write it down in a journal. I'm worried about one, two, three, four, five things. And then I'm going to revisit it and look at that. Not a single one of those things happened. You know? And if I had spent all this time worrying about it, I would have missed so many beautiful things that happened. Everyday things that happened. You know, I, I want to tell you a quick funny story that just popped into my head. I was in Toronto on business one one time. This is pre-pandemic. And um, a couple of days before, we were in, it was December. We, uh, we were in New York City, my family. We are at a family event. And uh, we're driving home, and my wife said, oh, I want to stop into this uh, Dell uh, store and get uh, some waters for home, drive home. And she sees a homeless person sitting on a bench. And this is something that we do a lot, she and I. Um, so she sees him, and he says something to her. She goes into the store, and she comes out, and she hands him some food that she bought in the store. And he said, thank you, and she touched his shoulder, and she got back into the car. No one said anything, but as you say, like your kids watch you, mm -hmm. and all my kids were watching her, and nobody said a word about it. So three days later, I'm in Toronto, and... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm walking back to my hotel and it's starting to rain and um, there's a homeless man there. And uh, they said, can you help me? Can you? He's asking anybody if they, they could help him. And everybody just keeps walking by, especially now that it's starting to rain. And so I walk past him and then the, the vision of my wife pops into my head. I, I turn around and I said, I'll help you. What, what do you need? And he points to this McDonald's sign and he goes, two Big Macs, two Big Macs. I said, okay, that's that's all you want? Yeah, two Big Macs. And so I go, okay. And I walk into the store, and he's waiting outside. And I get two Big Macs, and I get a couple of waters. And I, I uh, come outside, and I said, uh, here you go. And he looks at me. He says, two Big Macs? I said, two Big Macs. And he gives me this biggest toothless grin. Mm. And he opens up his arms. And I just go, I all in, and I give him a big hug, like I'm hugging one of my kids. And we laughed, and he said, thank you, thank you. And as I'm walking away, I love it. As I'm walking away, <clears throat> he says, God bless you. And I remember thinking in my head, well, he already has. 
Amen. Right? Amen. We, now, I would not have seen that. I would not have been part of that. That would not have been part of my life and my life story if I hadn't seen my wife do it or I hadn't gone through what we went through with my son. And to see people as human beings, M- Mother Teresa, I, I, I wrote this quote down. I have this great book about Mother Teresa, who's my all-time idol. She says, I see God in every human being. The poor are our brothers and sisters. We have a duty to treat them with love. Wow. I mean, <laughs> faith, hope, and love is the treasures he gave us, and the greatest is love. Yeah. And, and selfishly, when you do it, how good does that feel for you? It's amazing. I, I, I was walking to talk Taco Bell one time. And this kid goes, sir, could you buy me something to eat? And I said, I absolutely will. But you have to sit down and eat it with me. Uh, and he goes, OK. And, and I got a chance to talk to him, took 20 minutes out of my life. But he got to tell me his story. He got to tell me he got to feel human, in my opinion. Right. Because yeah. we don't see them. We We just don't. We don't pay attention. And I'm as guilty as anybody. If you think I'm holding myself out to be a martyr, let's be clear. No, I'm as guilty as anybody of not seeing them or going, you know, in my mind going, get off the street, go get a job. I do that in my mind. I wish I could tell you I didn't, but I do. But for that moment, it's like God said, no, 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 you need to listen. This this kid needs this right now. He needs yeah. food and he needs conversation. That's what he needs. It's not about what you need. And again, it's the same thing where you, my wife asked me at dinner and I told her the story and my kids were like, really? And I'm like, yeah. I said, God picked me to be an angel today. I said, I don't know. He picks all of us at some point. And a lot of times you don't even know when you're being the angel. It's just today he sat back and said, you know what you need? You need to be an angel and you get to carry that with you for the rest of your life and let it impact how you treat people from now on. Now that, and that's your faith. You, You said something to me offline about how talking about, well, actually, he said something in the beginning about how I lead my life. I lead with faith. You know, faith, religion gets a, it, it's a kind of like a dirty word, yeah. right? And, and oh, you're a, you're a Bible thumper, or you're this, or you're that. Uh, there's a friend of mine who sent me a great quote today, this morning, and this is just one more piece of divine intervention. It's a Hindu proverb that I want to read. There are a hundred paths up the mountain to the same place. So it doesn't matter which path you take. The only person wasting their time is the one who runs around the mountain telling everyone that they're on the wrong path. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that is amazing. I love that. Yeah. And that's it. So I, you know what? You're Hindu, you're Arabic, you're Catholic, you're Jewish, whatever you are. We're all, if, if we believe that there's one God, you know, some people believe there are hundreds of gods, but mm-hmm. if you believe that there's one God who made the universe, but he, and he made us all different, I can't tell you why he made us or she made us different, but I believe that there's some kind of divine purpose that I will probably be introduced to in another life. But in this life, they, God wants me to figure out what my purpose is here. So I have my own path walking up the mountain. And, and Gary, you're in the path next to me, and, and somebody's in the path to my right. And we believe different things, but we all believe 
in the afterlife. And if we believe in a loving, benevolent father or mother, then and we want to act in their image, then just be kind to people. Recognize them. Recognize them. what you do for the least of my brothers, you do for me. Right? Yeah. So you sat down with that kid at Taco Bell. And that, you know what? You, 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 you hit it out of the ballpark that day. And some days you don't. Here's the thing. I look at heaven as kind of like pass fail. <laughs> Some people get mad at me for that. We're imperfect. We're imperfect. So just just because you didn't do something one day doesn't mean you shouldn't do something the next day. Yeah. I had a buddy of mine say, I was, he, he was telling me this, and he goes, you know, I was sitting there thinking about the universe. He's thinking about these planets. I was thinking about quasars and neutron stars and, and all of this stuff. And he goes, and then it dawned on me, the God who built that, is the yeah. same one who cares about what I'm doing today. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> you guys, some of you guys think a lot deeper than I do. That's amazing. <laughs> well, you know what? You look and you look outside and you look at the trees and the birds and the kids. I live across the street from the school. There's nothing that I love more. I, I, I have come to appreciate so many sounds and things that I see. And I, I feel for the people who can't see or who can't hear, uh, you know, the people who've had some of their senses limited or, or never had them, but who still appreciate beauty in life. You look at Helen Keller and you think to yourself, wow, now there is somebody who truly found purpose in their life, you know, mm -hmm. couldn't see, couldn't speak, couldn't uh, hear, and, and yet was able to communicate, go to college, and, and do wonderful things with her life. Um, but I open my windows in, in, you know, like on a day like today, and I hear the kids laughing and playing across the street at the school. And on Sunday, well, I live in a very, very small town. On Sunday, I can hear the carillon bells from the church, the community church, from 9.50 to 10 o'clock in the morning. I make sure, I set an alarm, I open my window, and I just sit here with my coffee, and I listen to those bells. And it is beautiful. You know, it's, it's just, I hope your listeners, if your listeners can take away one thing from today's conversation, it is, we only have today. If you live in the present moment, and you don't worry about the past, and you don't worry about the future, and you take all your attention, because worry is time. Like, it, worrying or being anxious or being depressed, that takes time, and that's taking time away from what you could be doing today. So you take away, you, you, you remove all your anxieties and stresses and worries, and you focus on the positive, and you focus on today, and listen, and smell, and hear, and see everything that's around you. And I promise you, at the end of the day, you will say, wow, you know what? <laughs> I tell you what, that guy Brian was, was right. Today was a really good day. You guys see why I was excited about having him on this podcast. I mean, the stuff that we were going to talk about, because, you know, this guy is really good at what he does. But honestly, the good Lord said, no, you're going to talk about this today. Share this. Yeah, I know we, you know some the right turn. You're going to have to rewrite the title of this podcast and the summary that you probably wrote ahead of time, because we literally just just ripped up the script. We went where we were supposed to go. And <laughs> and I did. know some of you, there's some of you share this. If you, if you, I know there's going to, there's, there's going to 
this is going to touch so many people in so many places, or maybe you know somebody who's going through this. Share it. That's all I got to say. My friend, I, I promise you I'd only do an hour, and I've already taken up so much of your time, and I'm going, I'm going to let you go because I have a letter I need to go write. Yes. Brian Moran. And I've got a, I've got a window that I need to open. <laughs> Brian Moran and Associates, you'll find all the stuff in the show notes, and we will do this again if you will give me the time. Any time you want. You know what? You This was beautiful. It really was. And if anybody wants to talk to me, you can find me on social media. You can email me, brian at smallbusinessedge.com. And if I can help you in any way or you want to talk about something, by all means, uh, I, I would love to do it. And Or just share a note with me or Gary and say, if, if you benefited in some way from this conversation, that would mean the world to us. Thanks for joining us this week. If you love this episode, please subscribe, download a few more episodes, and please leave a review. Reviews really help us get this out to more people like you. Also, we'd love to hear what your favorite part was. Be sure to join us on social media to engage in even more unexpected conversations. Until next time. Bye.